Hey everyone, welcome back to the Five Tool Podcast. As always, I'm George Klein, and this week I talked to Arthur Jellin about the NFL playoffs that are coming up, and we gave some predictions, talked about the wildcard games. Hope you enjoy that, and again, we're still waiting for the Harper and Machado signings, but after those go down, we'll be making a full MLB offseason episode talking about everything that's been going on, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. All right, so I'm here today with Arthur Jellin, and we are finally headed into the NFL playoffs. We've got the wild card round coming up this weekend. Obviously, a very exciting time, so we're just going to get into it quick, go through each of the wild card games, share our thoughts on it, might give some predictions at the end, and we'll just kind of see where our conversation goes. But first, we've got that Saturday afternoon game that's always on like ESPN and is normally pretty bad. We've got the Colts at the Texans. Um, it's interesting just that in this division, again, we've talked about it before, but everyone kind of expected the Jaguars to just run away with it. And now we've got these two other teams, neither of whom, in my opinion, are incredibly intimidating. I could personally see the Colts winning this game. I just think with Andrew Luck, anything's possible. I do expect the Texans to win it, however, just because I think overall they're a deeper team with, I don't know, um, more strength at more positions. But again, I mean, the Texans are 11 and 5, and they had that one long hot streak, which I mean, it is impressive to win what nine straight games in a row. But again, they didn't look incredibly overpowering down the stretch of the year. The Colts did look a lot stronger, I think, like if you look at that like last half, last quarter of the season. So I don't know. It's a toss up. I'm leaning slightly towards the Texans. What do you think? I, I agree that none of these teams is particularly intimidating, uh, and it can really go either way, and that we're almost kind of just shocked to see both these teams, especially the Colts, um, after the whole Josh McDaniels saga in the offseason and not being able to get a head coach and finally settling on Frank Reich. It was like, okay, they got the head coach, but who knows if Andrew Luck's going to play. Uh, and even if he plays, they still have a just a – great like disparity in talent compared to the rest of that division uh, and a lot of people take them to finish last but you know kudos to them it's great to see Andrew Luck come back strong get close to 40 touchdown passes on the season um, but I do think the Texans will prevail they're at home this is another kind of one of those games they can bill as a huge game in their franchise history um, big home playoff game an opportunity um, to win their home playoff game and then progress uh throughout the playoffs uh, with this team that's finally healthy, kind of finally coming together behind Deshaun Watson and that young core um, with that strong defense. Um, so I do expect the Texans to prevail, but I think the Colts will certainly give them a run for their money. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Colts, I think it's almost, it's pretty kind of understated. I think some of their talent, I think we all, I mean, I definitely kind of fall into the idea of this team's Andrew Luck and nothing else, but between Hilton, Marlon Mack, Eric Ebron, it's a well-rounded offense that's so really tough. Um, I don't know. They just I'm trying to just kind of get my thoughts together on this team because, again, neither of them to me are all that impressive. But I think when you look at what the Colts have done since, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with the week number, but they start off 1-5. and five, And ever since then, we've seen them kind of shut down all kind of criticism. I'm looking in particular at that 23 nothing win over the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. I just, I could really see it happening. And I guess if I had to put the chances, it's 60-40. But this could also just be a total dud of a game, too. Honestly, where we've had these games, I, I mean, 
it's the classic 435 on ESPN time slot where you have, I don't know, there was one year where it was the Cardinals with like a fourth string quarterback or like it's, it's always the team where their quarterback got hurt who ends up kind of with this game. But I'm going to put it ESPN like matchup predictor, which never is exactly incredibly accurate. They have the Texans at a 61% chance of winning this game. And then I honestly, I feel pretty good about that. I feel like that's, that's the right thing. Um, so the spread of this game is minus two. Uh, Houston's minus two. So, I, again, if I had to pick, you know, against a spread for this game, I'm going to go with Houston because I could see them winning more in that five to six point range. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it could be a touchdown game, but also, like you mentioned, on this early slot, kind of the first wild card game, nerves sort out of control. It could turn into one of those 16 13 slugfests. But with that said, these are two extremely dynamic offenses with two uh, just very bright young quarterbacks. It's it's kind of hard to think of Andrew Luck as being a young quarterback anymore, but he's only, I think, 29. You know, He's still just technically entering his prime, even though it's been three or four years since we saw him take them to the AFC Championship and everyone thought he was the next best thing. He still can be the next best thing, but you've also got Deshaun Watson on the other side, who is really one of the bright young stars. <laughs> Uh, in the NFL. So I, I think offense will take over. Um, neither team's defense is exceptionally strong, although they do have their fair share of stars. Um, but but like, like we already said, uh, I expect the Texans to prevail. All right. So we've got the Saturday night game, the Seattle Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. And I guess first, just to kind of, I don't know, put these teams in context, the Seahawks weren't expected to do much of anything this year. Uh, there was a lot of talk preseason about how they were going to really turn to a more run-heavy offense, and everyone kind of, I don't know, wasn't expecting very much um, success that way. I think everyone just kind of thought that defenses would just stack the box and Russell Wilson wouldn't be able to do much. But Seattle's been proven right all year. Uh, just a big surprising team. Russell Wilson with another fantastic year. Carson running back with a real breakout stretch. And you've got the Cowboys, again, another team that, I don't know, seemed pretty 500-y, but then all of a sudden started to turn things around, got Amari Cooper, had a couple big wins. But for me, at least just looking at this game, I think it comes down to which version of the Cowboys we are getting. Because I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys put up an absolute dud where they scored seven points and you're kind of scratching your head and wondering exactly what happened to this team. Or they just come out and look really, really, really solid and they win this game by 7 to 10 points, and we're all kind of looking at them and and then seeing how they go kind of into this second round with some momentum, and you kind of scratch your head and think, okay, I think, again, another 50-50 type thing. The line for this game is minus 1.5 for the Cowboys. I honestly, if I'm coming up with a pick, like both for game or for spread, I'm leaning towards the Seahawks just because I think, with some of their playoff experience in the past years, I do think that that matters. And I don't know. I just, I think the Seahawks, the best that we've seen of the Seahawks this year, how do I put this? I think that the Seahawks are just more likely to put forward a game that's close to their best self, where the Cowboys, it's kind of waffling. It's a big thing for them that they're at home. They play a ton better at home. So that's a little, or not a little, that's a big push for them. But, I'm still going to take the Seahawks on this one. 
Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. I thought you were you were about to lean towards the Cowboys, but you took the Seahawks, and you kind of took a lot of the points that I was going to make. Uh, but but mainly is main thing is that I do agree, uh, especially what you said where the Seahawks are kind of a safer bet to play to their own level as opposed to the Cowboys. We've seen the Cowboys have a great variation. Uh, and I, I do think the Cowboys defense, especially though, uh, is underrated and they are able to pick up a lot of the slack for the offense that is, you know, all over the place going from putting up 40 against the Jaguars to um, seven the next week against the far inferior opponent. It's, it's just, you're not sure what to expect. And they have the pieces there, especially since the Amari Cooper trade, but we haven't seen them put together that, those two or three consecutive great games, which is what you need to do in order to advance uh, in the playoffs, especially when you're playing in the wild card round. Um, and, and the Seahawks, obviously it's not, uh, it's not, you know, the old Legion of boom era with that defense. And it's not Marshawn Lynch in the backfield helping out Russell Wilson, but they have these new guys. Uh, you know, you still have Bobby Wagner in there. You have a bit of a, a new defensive front uh, the guys that come in are like, that come to mind are, are Jar and Reed right in the middle, a uh, solid Alabama product that really holds down that front four. But similar to what I kind of predicted when they played the Chiefs, the Seahawks team has that playoff ability uh, on offense to just keep the ball away from an offense that can move the ball. And while the Cowboys aren't you know a safe bet to be able to move the ball, uh, once you get Amari Cooper and Zeke rolling, it's hard to get that avalanche and – from just snowballing and, and rolling you over. Uh, but, you know, I think the Seahawks are a team that can win this time possession battle, like 38 to 22, and just temper the crowd, keep Jerry's world at bay, uh, and come out of this with, you know, a, a pretty ugly win, uh, but a win at that and move on to the next round. I also just don't trust the passing game for the Cowboys. I mean, when you're talking about Dak Prescott, you're either going to get, 300 yards or two or three touchdowns and you're really feeling great and solid or it could very easily turn to one of those games where he's at 175 yards with three minutes left in the fourth quarter and he hasn't thrown for any touchdowns and you're just wondering if when it matters most is he going to be able to come up with that with the drive that you need to win and especially in the playoffs which is so much pressure I think I mean again they a lot of this core was in that playoff game a couple years back but I does but I do think that it says something that Aaron Rodgers was able to win that game with a much worse team. I, you're right. The Seahawks are just, it's the classic kind of proven playoff experience team against the Cowboys who in some ways came out of nowhere this year. Obviously they have Zeke, they have Cooper. I mean, there, there are names on this team, but they're new. They're unproven. I think that's borne out by just the fact that they play so much better when they're at home. And yes, they are at home, but, I just trust the Seahawks to win this game more. I think, again, you're right to kind of point to that Chiefs game. I think that that's a big late-season win that can, I don't know, predict good things for this group. And everyone was a little nervous. A lot of talk about that game at the Cardinals last week, but a lot of that Week 17 stuff, it's just kind of a wacky week where you don't know exactly how long to play your guys, what exactly the situation is. I think a lot of that just kind of comes down to flukes. So. I feel much more comfortable with the Seahawks, so I believe. So it seems like we're just both going to easily take them. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we move on to Sunday. We've got first game, one hundred five, the Chargers at the Ravens. Really interesting game. I think just first off, again, it's something to always mention with the Chargers that 
they're so used to playing in away environments, and that's really helped them this year. Seven and one on the road, that's pretty ridiculous. And even when they're at home for a lot of teams, it's just there's their stadiums either half empty or they're getting actively read against. So they've played in a bunch of tough environments. And if you've listened to this before, you know that I've been high on the Chargers all year long. But I am scared of the Ravens too. The Ravens are just kind of that wacky group. They're, they're pretty Jaguars-ish, honestly, except they have Lamar Jackson, who's a step up from Blake Bortles. But tough, tough defense. You're not going to – it's not easy to score a lot of points on them. A lot of running the ball. Lamar Jackson, just really hard to stop him. Again, there's concerns about his longevity in the league because of his playing style, but that's not a concern right now. And we also just saw them a couple of weeks back pretty easily handle the Chargers 22-10. to 10. But again, you expect the Chargers to come out with more fire. Melvin Gordon, if they don't keep injuring him, will be a force to reckon with in this game. You've got Rivers, who... Hasn't looked incredible the last couple of weeks, but it's Rivers. He's a veteran. You expect, you know, nothing but the best from him. So I'm all in on the Chargers. I've been all in on them from the start. I kind of have to lead with them. But, I mean, the Ravens are awfully, awfully good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to start by saying I'm taking the Ravens. I am really shocked by how effective this whole Lamar Jackson offense has been. And uh, no one's a bigger Lamar fan than I am coming out of college. And, and I obviously I would have loved to see the Patriots take him to kind of really diversify their offensive attack. Uh, But I think uh, diversify is is almost the last thing that he's really done with this Ravens offense. It's incredible how, you know, they're churning out 250, 300 yards rushing every single game, knowing with the other team knowing that that's exactly what they're going to do. And, you know, you're even seeing third and eight. They're running quarterback power sweeps or counters with Gus Edwards, who came out of nowhere, and they're converting those those third and longs. And it's just crazy to see. But at the same time, that's that's a playoff football team right there. And it's a team that's been there before, and they've got some hungry veterans on that team, uh, especially on defense like C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, who's been there before, Eric Weddle, who was a longtime Charger, who's been there before. Um, just guys that know what it takes. And with that kind of offense that can keep it away from the high-powered Chargers offense, um, it's, it's a recipe for success for the Ravens. And we've already seen how it worked out on the road. And now that they're at home in, in a really tough uh, Baltimore environment where, you know, they've been waiting a couple of years to get back into this situation, um, it's hard to see the Chargers, unless they come out super hot, gaining enough momentum and being able to really churn out those yards and churn out the points that it takes to beat this Ravens team. And just an interesting tidbit about this game. Hunter Henry all of a sudden is just coming back for this game. I saw that and I was just, I, I know. <laughs> so wild. Just I think I mean torn ACL. A really, seven seven month turnaround on You team. really just don't expect him to be immediately back for the playoffs. So I'm really curious to see how much he can he can contribute to this game. Because if he just immediately pulls off like eighty yards and a touchdown, that's just another huge weapon for him. So it's a question through this year, I just haven't trust I mean it's impossible to trust how the Chargers have handled some of their medical affairs, just with Melvin Gordon leaving him in against the Cardinals, playing him heavy in a meaningless Week 17 when you already have your position clinched. So I just don't know what to make of this Hunter Henry news. I mean, if he's back, great. Hopefully he doesn't shatter his leg or something. But I don't know. It's another big weapon. So you get the emotional boost of the Hunter Henry thing 
but also the Ravens, again, you never quite know how much momentum exactly it carries over from week to week, but it has to be a good sign and a big emotional jump for this Raiders team that pretty much faces the exact same situation two years in a row to step up when they needed to most. You have CJ Mosley with that huge play against Mayfield when it really felt like all of just the entire situation was stacking up against them. A couple of tough calls go against their way. Mayfield had that throw where the receiver was just kind of got his foot down while I was catching the ball and then another one up the middle and all of a sudden the Browns have the football where they're at, I don't know, something like the 50 or the 40 with a minute and 20 seconds left or whatever and you really expect them to kind of take care of what they need to take care of there. And obvious flashbacks to the year before when Andy Dalton ruined their hopes and dreams. And again, the Ravens step up. It's a new year. Weird, kind of wacky offensive system that I pretty much wrote off as that I pretty much wrote off as a gimmick for the first couple of weeks that they were running it. But it's been borne out. It's been proven. So I'm leaning slightly towards the Chargers. I just think again overall, but it's tough. I just think. When you look at the Chargers, I see, can this team score like 25 points? And I think yes. And then I look at the Ravens, and I think for them to win this game, they're really going to need to hold it in that uncomfortable 20-17-ish to 17-ish kind of place just because I don't know if they're going to be able to muster just quite enough offense with just running the ball over and over again against what's a very tough Chargers defense. Um, yeah, I, I just this this Ravens team just has that physical makeup that it takes to win. Like These wildcard games are always ugly games. <laughs> Rarely uh, is, is a team really in true form because, you know, they're coming off the full season and a lot of these teams that came down to this last week, Ravens especially, to find out if they were going to be in the playoffs. Uh, and they really escaped uh, a nail-biter and almost a second consecutive heartbreaker. Uh, against the Browns in Week 17. A lot of emotions running, but the Ravens do have the advantage of being at home. And while the Chargers have sort of technically been playing away games every um, every week this year, um, the Ravens have that playoff DNA that I think will push them over the top. And and personally, as a Patriots fan, the way it's kind of lining up, the Patriots could end up playing the Ravens uh, in the divisional round uh, if the if the Texans don't beat the Colts. Uh, and as a Patriots fan, and if I'm a Chiefs fan, uh, anyone like that, I, I would be afraid to play the Ravens right now. Yeah, so you would rather play the Ravens, or you would rather play the Chargers? The Ravens, out, out of the four teams in the wild card, the Ravens are the team that I would want to play the least. Okay, so now we've got that last game, Eagles at the Bears. And honestly, on paper, again, by all accounts, Chicago should win this game. We know about their defense which is just so tough all year obviously Khalil Mack Smith just all those guys are just tanks uh and I mean Mitch Trubisky isn't great but he does enough and they've got a strong running game they've got Howard they've got Cohen but again the the Eagles have Nick Foles and if there's one thing that I've learned to do it's never write off an Eagles team with its back against the wall with Nick Foles at the helm they should not be in the playoffs it's ridiculous that they are but Somehow they're just able to eat in, and I still don't really know how exactly Nick Foles does this, but he goes from a guy who earlier this year was throwing like 180 yards and a touchdown and an interception every game to 350 yards and three touchdowns looking like he's in the Super Bowl again. And I don't know. The Vikings just collapse. The Eagles get in. They have all the momentum. I'm taking the Bears. I think you just have to. They're clearly a stronger team, 12-4, and 7-1 and at home. 
they've been good all all year long. They, I mean, since they started off three and three, I mean, nine and one, you can't knock them for pretty much anything. But the Eagles just kind of have that weird magic about them where I think it'll be a close game, but I got to go with the Bears. I just can't see it. But again, Nick Foles, so who knows? Yeah, I, I, I also have to go with the Bears, uh, but for the Bears, uh, I think uh, their offense and just more specifically Mitch Trubisky, you know, got to sack up, man. Like, got to do it. Kind of been dragged along. There have been games this year that they've won that they might not have deserved to win because the way their offense played. First thing that comes to mind is that Rams game at home when they just embarrassed the Rams, but Mitch Trubisky also kind of embarrassed himself. Uh, by trying to throw that game away, seemingly. Uh, it's kind of a uh, like a bring-your-own-guts situation for the offense as a whole. Uh, they did play pretty well against the Vikings, didn't really turn the ball over, uh, kept their defense off the field enough that they, the defense could then go out and shut down Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense. Um, but, you know, the Eagles are the Eagles, and they're an even – they're in an even more underdog situation than they were last year. At least they were the one seed last year. Now they're the six seed, complete opposite uh, end of the spectrum, going on the road into what's going to be a serious – you want to talk about Baltimore being a playoff atmosphere. Chicago's Soldier Field right now with the Bears looking as good as they've looked in years. Um, this is, is going to be a wild game. Uh, I, this is probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most. It's going to be that like late Sunday afternoon when all these other games have – past and you got Al Michaels on the call for this uh it's it's the one to look forward to and this is the really classic playoff matchup um I'm taking the Bears because they got home field and they have uh that really impenetrable defense uh but no one knows the Nick Foles cheese like I do because I saw it firsthand in the Super Bowl like um but I I think that luck kind of runs out um and and the Bears the Bears have a, a Pretty, pretty dominant, convincing win uh, in my eyes. I think, you know, at halftime or the first couple drives, Nick Foles might look like Nick Foles with the RPOs. Uh, but a lot of people talk about the Bears' front seven. I think their secondary is really excellent uh, with their safeties, Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos. Uh, Eddie Jackson, especially a huge fan of him when he was in college. And then outside, he got kind of the revival of Prince of Mukamara out there uh, at corner, just a bunch of guys flying around. They've got that youth and strength and nastiness and chip on their shoulder uh, that really reminds you kind of of the, of the old Bears way of playing. So you see a convincing Chicago win. I'm going to predict, if I had to, more of one of those classic, like we've been talking about, messy wildcard games with it's, I don't know, 17 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Kind of like that, if I had to draw a comparison, maybe that Eagles-Falcons game from last year was just messy. Nick Foles is doing weird stuff where he he like throws a pass and it hits off of someone's leg, and then, I don't know, Alshon Jeffrey catches it for a touchdown. Yeah. And it's just like, you're not exactly sure what's, what's, what's happening, but I don't know. I get, Chicago pretty much, what, I mean, you're right, they're at home. They'll be going nuts just because when you look at the last few years, they haven't had a whole lot to cheer for. So it's been a while since they've had that insane kind of atmosphere. It'll be cold. It'll be Chicago. It'll be that classic, I don't know, strong defense that no one can score against. So yeah, I would, I would say probably something messy, just like 1913, weird, wacky score, 15, 11, somehow where, yeah, the Bears are just able to, uh, to pull out the win. So looking ahead, I guess it's a good time just since we're going into the playoffs right now. 
to kind of just give our predictions. I guess we can just go kind of round by round. So I think we pretty much picked all of the same teams to win. So we've got the Texans, the Seahawks. Oh, actually, you had the Ravens and I had the Chargers. And then Chicago. So I guess just first, that would set up a game with the Patriots and the Texans if we're just going off of our predictions. So I think we would both expect New England just to kind of run away with that one. Again, well, maybe not run away with it, but I do think that they win that one. And one of those games where maybe the final score is close, but you're never exactly nervous if you're a New England fan. Kind of like that week one game where it was 27 to 20, I think, but it really felt like New England was in command the whole time. Maybe they're up two touchdowns in the fourth, and then Watson leads a touchdown drive with like three minutes left. And all of a sudden you wonder, oh, okay, all right, maybe there's something here. But even though New England is a little short just on offensive talent right now compared to what I think we're used to in previous years, Tom Brady did look tremendous last week, really looked like he bounced back to his old self. I mean, I'm as as a Jets fan, it was it felt pretty familiar, felt like something I had watched a lot where he just carves at the entire defense up and there's just no resistance. And he's just able to get away for an extra second and even when you think you have him, he just finds a way to fire it into the back of the end zone or, or something. So yeah, I'm gonna take the Patriots in that game and I assume you are too. Uh, certainly. I think you covered all the bases. I don't need to talk too much more about uh, Patriots-Texans playoff games from the past. I think it will follow a similar blueprint. All right. And then we've got the Chiefs against you with the Ravens and me with the Chargers. So I guess we'll just go with you first. What do you got? This would be a very, very, very intriguing game. Yeah. Um, I think... It kind of depends on the opening coin toss. Uh, if the Chiefs get the ball or the Ravens get the ball, I can see the Ravens getting the ball, putting together like a six, seven minute drive, punching it in, starting off that way physically. If the Chiefs get the ball, uh, you know, opening that playbook up, maybe dialing something crazy, uh, getting a long touchdown, starting it off that way on their own terms. Um, I think. This game, this this is a fifty. This is a complete coin to, coin flip of a game, uh, to me. Um, but I I think the Ravens could have what it takes. I think that the Chiefs have a bit of the the Andy Reid mystique, where you know it's home playoff games. We saw them lose one last year against a a, a bad Titans team in the playoffs and let them come from behind. Uh, it could be Lamar Jackson's sort of like Superman moment. And while Pat Mahomes is certainly deserving of uh, all the MVP honors and, and all the praise that gets heaped upon him this season, because he certainly deserves it, um, th- this this is, this is would be a very tough matchup for him, and, and I would take the Ravens to win in Arrowhead. And honestly, I would take the Chargers against the Chiefs, honestly, in that game. I mean, again, Chiefs-Chargers, the last one was an absolute classic, that incredible Thursday night game where it came down to one final two-point conversion. But the way I look at it is Kansas City has a big, undeniable hole. It struggles to stop good teams from scoring. And you just kind of wonder how long can this just incredibly offensive-heavy team hold out. And... I just don't know if in the playoffs, if you can't stop anyone, if that's really a recipe for success. And then you do wonder just about that Andy Reedish 
factor where I don't know, you just never know if he's confronted with a timing late minute situation, if he's able to handle that correctly. And the Chargers, again, it's what I've been saying all year, just how they're a very well-rounded team and they're good in all aspects of the game. And maybe that's just me liking a balanced football team and it's my own bias, but I could very much see a game where the Chargers are just able to put up points of the Chiefs with maybe some playoff nerves or what, what have you, or some mismanagement. They're just not able to kind of match it up and the Chargers are able to escape with a 31, like 24-ish win or something like that. So that would set up for both of us an interesting and perhaps slightly unexpected AFC championship game. But we'll move over to the NFC for now so we can have it kind of kind of even. Um, so for us, we both had the Bears and the Seahawks, I believe. So that would mean that we have the Rams in Chicago, which is another game that we really just – just saw, but was very intriguing. It was a pretty terrible, awful game where the quarterback play was the worst possibly just all year. We're not entirely sure what happened to Jared Goff and if he's completely recovered from a really confusing couple of weeks where he was just terrible. But the Rams started off so hot and just haven't looked quite the same after that hot start. There's been a lot of talk with some of their routes, some of their offensive systems where they have the same. Uh, uh, personnel groupings just a lot and that other teams have been able to adjust and I just can't help but wonder if in the playoffs if Chicago's more more suited to kind of take this one so honestly looking at it Rams Bears it's tough because the Rams are just so so talented but I'm leaning slightly towards the Bears in in LA it would be a lot different obviously I think I, I don't want to say like weather was everything in that game but I think it played a little bit into it um, I want to say like the rims were like super soft and they can't play in the cold or whatever. But um, when you have that kind of high flying offense uh, and that's really the first time all season we had encountered something like that, I think it does play a part. Uh, and it was one of the first game, one of the first games after sort of the Cooper cup injury when they were still figuring out the system a little bit of what to do without that really bona fide third receiver and still getting Josh Reynolds integrated uh, into that, that role. Uh, but I think, I, I don't buy all the, like, there's a blueprint to beating the Rams um, talk. But I think if anyone does have a blueprint to beating the Rams, it is the Bears. And after what I anticipate will be a pretty emotional win over the Eagles uh, in the wild card round, I think they have uh, just a lot of momentum based on how they finish the season versus how the Rams finish the season. And I could see them storming into uh, L.A. and and beating the Rams in, in – in a bit of a slugfest, uh, I don't think it'll be as ugly as last time. Uh, but I think I, anticipating that Mitch Trubisky plays better in the wild card round against the Eagles at home, he then comes on the road against the Rams defense that we all expected to be pretty good, but has not really shown itself at all this season, um, and, and and goes in there and, and does what it takes to win that game uh, on the back of his defense. If Mitch Trubisky is just above average, then Chicago wins this game. They just need him 270 yards, two touchdowns, like no interceptions, and their money. But the problem is with Mitch Trubisky, again, we still don't know which Mitch Trubisky we're going to get on, at the, on on each week. So, And then we move on to what would be the Saints at home against the Seahawks, another just really good game. And... For me, the Saints have kind of taken that mantle of the best team in the NFL as of right now because 
I was a little low on them a couple of weeks ago, but after that nice, but after that nice win against the Steelers, where they're able to really um, just outlast a Pittsburgh team that just absolutely needed that game, just had to have that win, and it was a real playoff game type of vibe for the Steelers in that one. They're able to win that game. They are able to win kind of a defensive slugfest against the Panthers. The offense has been pretty much phenomenal all all year with maybe like one or two exceptions. But I just think there's there's so much talent on this group. And yes, the Seahawks have a nice defense, but but the Saints have proven that they can stop teams as well. And I mean, with the offensive talent that they have, Breeze, Thomas, Kamara, Ingram, I I just see New Orleans kind of running away with that one. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, I, I don't know if the – I mean, the Seahawks will do, you know, all it takes, and I'm sure they'll dial up something a little bit crazy on defense to try to play a little bit with Drew Brees. But um, the, the Saints are sort of at another level um, in regards to their relation to the, to the rest of the NFL. Um, my only concern with the Saints is their sort of lack of another wide receiver option besides Michael Thomas. But the thing is, Michael Thomas is like so damn good <laughs> that, that you, you know, he, you don't totally need something. And Drew Brees is, is just another level. He just broke his own record for the fourth time, completing almost 75% of his passes this year, which is totally like bonkers, insane. I can't even process that someone can do that. Like if people can't do that, at the college level, I don't understand how they do it at the pro level. Uh, and people don't talk about him as like being like one of the old quarterbacks. It, it kind of seems like he's been the same age forever. But, you know, he's he's 39 and he's playing better than he ever has before. And I'm just kind of happy to see it that uh, the Saints had three or four years there where they were kind of down in the dumps, not really going anywhere while the Panthers and Falcons were elevating themselves in that division. Uh, but to see the Saints rise back up, uh, I think – uh, is, is great for them, and I don't expect them to have too much trouble with the Seahawks at home. And looking at Michael Thomas's stats, it's just pretty absurd. 125 receptions on 147 targets. That's just absolutely bonkers. He just again, just one of those stats with with Drew Brees and New Orleans. Like you just really wouldn't think would be possible or conceivable to have that many receptions on that good of a catch percentage. It's I don't know. It's just mind-boggling. So you've got the Ravens and the Patriots. I've got the Chargers and the Patriots for the AFC. So I'll let you go first. Uh, this is is just a pretty nerve-wracking matchup. If there's one team that's been able to kind of toy with the Patriots in the playoffs, especially at home all these years, it's been the Ravens. Uh, and it's a different attack than it used to be. Uh, well, not too different because, you know, they had Ray Rice. They kind of pound away. Uh, and they had that defense with sort of headlined by Ray Lewis and Ed Reed that could create a lot of problems for the Patriots with that pressure. Um, I think they still have the ability to get that four-man pressure. Um, but, you know, it's the whole rookie quarterback going into a New England um, with Lamar Jackson. And I, I would fully expect the Patriots, you know, who this year have been a pretty weak team against the run. Uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta put your faith in them. You gotta put your faith in Belichick and Brian Florin, Flores uh, to stack the box, go one on one on the outside, make Lamar Jackson beat you to the air. If he does, kudos to him. Um, if there's one thing that really worries me about the Ravens' offense, it's just Lamar's ability to not on designed runs, but drop back and then improvise and scramble and all that kind of stuff. Those quarterbacks, uh, Cam Newton and Russell Wilson, are the ones that come to mind. 
uh, are ones that have given the Patriots a lot of trouble with those improvisational skills. Um, but, you know, it's as a Patriots fan, it's, it's easy for me to just say it doesn't matter, they're going to win. But also, it's it's just history. And uh, it's one of these last go-arounds for Tom and the boys. And uh, I, I would expect them to, to win this game. In, in, in sort of ugly fashion, it could be one of those games that comes down to a field goal. Um, but I, I'd say a, a 7 to 10 point victory um, would be a safe bet. So that I picked the Chargers against New England. And for a lot of the reasons which you were just uh, talking about, I think you just look at it's a game that you just expect New England to win. And it's been my stance all along from last offseason when there were a lot of mutterings about the situation in New England and about folks not getting along with each other. My take the whole time has been I'm not going to pick against New England until it actually happens and they don't go far in, into the playoffs and they don't make the Super Bowl or just something wacky happens. Again, New England, it's not peak New England Patriots, but with the people that are still there, you expect them to just kind of take care of of the AFC in a fashion that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Again, I love the Chargers. I'd be rooting for them heavily in this game, but to expect them, I don't know, to win at Gillette against New England, I just think it's unrealistic. I mean, I could see it being reasonably close in the fourth quarter and New England pulls off one of those ridiculous plays that you don't see coming where I, I don't know, like Sony Michelle throws the ball to Chris Hogan for like 50 yards and they win the game. You just kind of naturally expect stuff like that. So I think with all just the mystique that's still around this team, just the history, just the fact that you don't know how many shots that you'll get with Tom Brady that are left. I think that they'll be all in for this. I could, I very much see them returning to the Super Bowl. That's what, I've been, I, that's been just my call all year long and I'm going to stick with it. Then in the NFC, we've got New Orleans against Chicago. Another just really fascinating game with the offensive attack of New Orleans against the defensive incredibleness of the Chicago Bears. I think what it comes down to is on the other side, actually, I just don't know if Chicago's offense can muster up enough. So I'm going to take New Orleans in, in this one. Yeah, whereas in those Eagles and Rams games, I think that the defense can dial up enough to, to hold those other teams to, I don't know, like it's hard to say that they, they would hold the Rams to like 24 points, but I think that's what they're capable of because they've done it before. Holding the Saints to 24 points, the only team we've really seen do that is the Cowboys, and that was an all-time bad offensive <laughs> performance by everybody on the Saints that was sort of inexplicable. Uh, I, I, you know, you got your Saints, Saints, Saints here. Probably, probably two touchdowns, close game in half. Uh, but it's it's such a barrage with that Saints offense, and it's so precise and constant, um, and just everything's down to a T. Uh, that you know, it's hard to ask Mitch, Mitch Trubisky and and that running game to to hold that off uh, for the entire game. All right, so now we've got New England and New Orleans and the Super Bowl and really just a classic game. I mean, the media for those two weeks would just be filled with constant talk about the quarterback matchup. But for me, that potential game would come down to everyone else around the quarterbacks. I could see a very kind of similar thing unfolding where Brady throws for 400 yards and three or four touchdowns, but New England just isn't able to stop the Saints and the Saints are just able to win this one by maybe 
seven to ten points, a kind of like forty to thirty ish game where it's just the Saints just overall are just so talented. And again, you do wonder with New Orleans if that lack of a receiver except for Michael Thomas will eventually come back to hurt them. So that's the one thing that I think you really have to look out for. But at least just and New England again, they just have an ability to to pull out weird miraculous wins. But just looking at it, just I guess hypothetically looking at the rosters, you think that this is a game that that the Saints are able to win. And then all of a sudden that's Reese's second Super Bowl title. And that kind of I think at least sort of elevates him in that quarterback like ranking conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would just had to start from saying like I, I would think the Patriots would win that game because that's kind of what I'm obligated to say. Mm-hmm. But I truly think I truly think that they would, and that doesn't have to do with my fandom or the fact that I already have my futures bet down on the Patriots <laughs> at, at plus six fifty to win the Super Bowl. Um, it has nothing to do with any of that. But you bring up a great point with with uh, with Michael Thomas. The Patriots' whole defensive mentality, uh, in addition to you know the whole bend don't break philosophy, is just taking away the opposing team's number one target, and that would be Michael Thomas. And and we haven't even talked about Alvin Kamara yet, and and that's a whole other problem to deal with how they'd stop Alvin Kamara. But just focusing on Michael Thomas for now, the Patriots have done this. They, they aren't always successful. Like They've gotten burned by Antonio Brown in the past uh, when they play the Steelers, but they're you know they're gonna they're gonna shadow they're gonna go man up with probably uh, J.C. Jackson Jason McCourty that number two guy on Michael Thomas with safety to help over top just blanket him all day long try to hold him and I'm sure the Saints will still go towards him go towards go towards him uh, but he'll he'll be doubled the whole game and then you're asking guys like I don't know even like Tommy Lee Lewis Austin Carr uh, Kirkwood guys like that to go out and kind of win the game for you. But then you circle back and, you know, you get Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara in the backfield, who I feel like haven't even been talked about for the past four or five weeks with the Saints offense. Uh, You're talking about a reigning rookie of the year and a guy who's almost a perennial thousand yard rusher uh, in Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Um, They kind of took the Patriots blueprint for how to play with your running backs and put them in all kinds of situation and really ran with it. Um, So I, I, I'd have to, you know, have a lot of just irrational confidence in the Patriots' offense, especially off of last year when they got beat by. Uh, you're comparing Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and uh, Alvin Kamara this year versus last year when it was yeah. Nick Foles, Alshon Jeffrey slash Nelson Aguilar, and Corey Clement who torched them. So like, it's hard to think, but at the same time, it's it's Tom and it's one of the last rides, and it's James White. They have Julian Edelman this year. Uh, hopefully, you know, Gronk gets some kind of uh, super serum that he drinks that, yeah. you know, be healthy and, and not look like an old man coming off the ground every time he's tackled. But, uh, you know, I got I to gotta ride with the boys and, and just hope that they can pull that one out. Okay, so it should be fun to see how all of this works out. It's an awesome month. We've got just a few more weekends of the NFL left. So a lot of good games. It's the playoffs. They're they're here. What else can you say? So, all right. So, Arthur, always happy to have you on. Yeah, no, always great to be here, and obviously looking forward to it. And you know, we'll we'll talk on the flip side, and hopefully, we're right about everything. Yep. So, we'll be back next week. We'll know a lot more, kind of, about the playoff picture then. And thank you for listening. Bye.